Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. I hope y'all have had a wonderful week. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to take a second to remember 9-11, which happened unbelievably 18 years ago today. So that means that tomorrow, for the first time ever, there will be adults in this country, 18-year-olds, who were not alive when 9-11 happened, which is crazy to think about. I was only nine years old. I was in fourth grade. So of course, I don't remember everything vividly, but I do remember my teacher. I remember what she was wearing. I remember them, the teachers and the administrators giving us all envelopes with letters inside that we were to give our parents to read to us. And I remember my mom reading that letter in our kitchen and not really knowing what to think. I remember she said that we might have to go to some secluded place, leave our house. And I just didn't have the capacity to understand, of course, soon learned after that the significance of that day and I do remember I know it's hard to believe because I was so young but I I do recollect the feeling of unity and of patriotism that followed 9-11 in a very vague sense of course one of the things that sticks out in my mind was when the Dixie Chicks talked badly about George Bush said that they were embarrassed to be from Texas because of him and the decisions that they were making that was a little that was later after 9-11 but I I remember the backlash that they got and it was almost like the pushback was unanimous because you just didn't at that time question uh, the leadership of our country after something so tragic had happened. We put down our differences for a short period of time and we were Americans before we were Democrats or Republicans. Of course, as you can tell, a lot has changed since then. A lot has changed not just over the past 18 years, but also over the past 10 years, over the past three years. It seems like we are more divided than ever, especially in um, in in recent history. And it is a shame. I want to honor and to thank everyone who has fought for us, especially everyone who has fought and died for us, not just on the day of 9-11, but since then in this war that seems to uh, never, never end and to not really have an end in sight. I am so grateful for their service. I am so grateful for their ultimate sacrifice and for their courage that they are fighting for our freedoms, have fought for our freedoms. And so today on 9-11, let us just, let us be grateful. Let us be grateful for what we have and what has been battled for and let us not take those liberties for granted. Today we are going to switch gears into something else, but we're, well, maybe not, kind of. It kind of goes along with what I said about the division that's going on in our country. We are going to talk about the latest in political extremism from our friends on the left and why we as Christians need to be paying attention to this stuff, uh, why we need to have our eyes and our ears open and to be thoughtful about these positions. So I'm going to give you an example of that and talk specifically uh, about why this in general is a problem, specifically about why this in general is a problem. You know what I mean? Uh, A lot of you have asked me to 
talk about SB 276, which is a bill in California that has to do with vaccines. And I really do want to talk about that. I know that it's not really popular for uh, a political or a Christian commentator, whatever you want to qualify me as to talk about something like this. It is extremely controversial and sometimes it feels like you just can't win no matter how kind of middle of the road that you are, but it's an important topic and it is uh, something that so many of you have asked me to cover and I don't want to leave you guys hanging. So I don't want to be scared to talk about something just because um, it's going to push some buttons because undoubtedly it will. So I'm looking to interview someone for this Friday's episode. No guarantees. Sometimes you just know, don't know what kind of guest that you're going to get, but that's my hope. And I'm also doing a lot of research in this because the last thing I want to do is to come on this podcast unprepared and to be what I would be what I would consider to be irresponsible with this subject because it's heavy it's complex it's intricate and I have already heard from some of you who are on either side of this and know that I am so appreciative I'm so appreciative of you reaching out to me I've heard from pro-vaccine Christian moms. I've heard from Vax Hesitant is what I like to call you uh, or what I like to call this group, Vax Hesitant Christian Moms. And you guys have both sent me your sources. And I just want you to know that I am so thankful for that. And I want to hear from more of you. So please feel free to do that. All of your attitudes have been one of openness and kindness and just willingness to share this information. And I'm grateful for that. I don't want to ostracize or alienate anyone in this conversation. Uh, because it's just, it's not worth that alienation to me. So that's where I am on all of that. I'm not ignoring it. I'm not ignoring your messages. I'm just trying to prepare as best I can to have that conversation. Uh, uh, Another thing that uh, a lot of you have uh, messaged me about is the problem with the Apple Podcast app and how you haven't been able to see the latest episodes at the top. So what you can do until we get this fixed, because we are working on getting this fixed, what you can do is I think you can go uh, to available episodes and scroll all the way to the bottom and then under unknown season is where the latest episodes are I know that's kind of annoying it's just the Apple podcast app has been a little bit difficult for us to navigate I won't even explain the whole issue with it but that will be fixed soon but I'm sorry if you've had a hard time you can also watch this on YouTube Ali Beth Stuckey is my YouTube channel you can go to Spotify. You can go to Omni.fm. Of course, just actually the easiest thing to do is just to go to blazetv.com slash Allie. Then you can see all of the places that you can listen that is not Apple Podcasts if you are having a hard time with that. Okay, now let's get into this episode. Uh, most of you have heard of Pete Buttigieg. He is a Democratic candidate for the presidency. He is mayor of South Bend, Indiana. A lot of people like to say that he is part-time mayor of South Bend, Indiana because he's not there very much while he is campaigning. He is also a veteran, very thankful for his service. He is also what I consider to be a very articulate, a very even keel seeming person who has made his pitch somewhat effectively. Now, of course, I don't agree with him, but somewhat effectively, I would say, as the Christian Democratic candidate, which is very unique for that side of the aisle. You are not going to hear a lot of candidates invoke the name of God, invoke the name of Jesus Christ, or invoke scripture. But Pete Buttigieg has made it a point to do that. He has also claimed in a controversial way that his marriage to a 
man has brought him closer to God. So as you can see, he is uh, he is making some waves. He claims that leftism actually aligns with Christianity far better than conservatism does. And he spent a good deal of time chastising half of America for not being Christ-like enough like he is because he is a progressive and progressive values, according to him, are much more Christian than conservative values are. Now, here is St. Peter last week on a radio program called The Breakfast Club. Now, right now, they hold everybody in line with this one kind of piece of doctrine about abortion, right? Which is obviously a tough issue for a lot of people to think through morally. Then again, uh, you know, there's a lot of parts of the Bible that talk about how life begins with breath. And so even that is something that we can interpret differently. And uh, I'm pro-choice. Take up, uh, me too. Yeah. And, but I think no matter where you think about the, the kind of cosmic question of how life begins, most Americans can get on the board with the idea of, all right, I might draw the line here, you might draw the line there. But the most important thing is the person who should be drawing the line is the woman making the decision. Absolutely. Now, you would think that someone who is so self-avowedly, um, or maybe that's maybe that's repetitive, so avowedly knowledgeable in scripture would have some moral qualms with violently dismembering a living, moving, feeling baby moments before birth or really at any time in the pregnancy for that matter, but apparently not. Apparently he has found what he thinks are scriptural justifications for that now We could go on and on about how terrible his theology is, not just for his views on abortion, but his views on seemingly almost everything moral that I've heard him talk about and see him represent. But I think that most people listening to this podcast know where we stand on that. You can go back and listen to an episode titled Abortion Ain't Biblical, where we go through the absolutely ignorant and stupid and evil arguments the left tries to make from a biblical perspective on abortion. We talk about on an episode titled Calling Evil Good, just exactly what abortion is from a scientific perspective. So you can listen to that. I also uh, talk about Buttigieg and his faith and why he is so wrong theologically. Um, I think the the episode is titled Trump, Buttigieg, and Evangelicals. Maybe that was a couple months ago. And then, of course, I talk about biblical marriage and what that looks like on an episode titled Biblical Marriage from just a couple months ago. So if you're curious about any of those subjects and want to hear me go in depth, you can. But that is not what this particular episode is. This, what I just played, is one of many examples of the incongruent nature of today's leftism with Christianity, with biblical Christianity, as if there was any other kind of Christianity. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is not the only one trying to square the Bible with his politics. There are many other young people, a lot of millennials, trying to do the same thing, saying ridiculous things like Jesus was a socialist, another thing that I've talked about many times. But that is why it is important that we spend this episode, spend time clarifying why this is never, ever going to work. Uh, We have discussed what I call the religion of leftism before, and I have gotten some pushback on that for saying that it is impossible to be a modern-day leftist progressive and be a Bible-believing Christian. Now, for many of you, that is not a controversial statement at all. 
But for some of you, and for a lot of people not listening to this podcast, it is a very controversial statement. Uh, They say, how can you, Allie, be the arbiter of who is a Christian and who is not? How can you exclude anyone from Christianity just because of their political beliefs? God is not Republican or Democrat. He transcends politics. It doesn't matter what someone's political ideology is when it comes to their faith. And to that, I say to critics of this stance, uh, you are partly correct. God does transcend politics. Of course he does. He is uh, bigger than our political system. He is not a Republican or a Democrat. He is much uh, bigger than that. He is much bigger than our nation. He is much bigger than all of history. He is much bigger than the entire universe. He is supreme over all of it. So I certainly don't believe in ascribing to God my political beliefs, but to say that it doesn't matter what someone believes politically when it comes to faith is not thoughtful. It does matter. Now, no one has all the correct answers. I certainly do not. No one is infallible except for God himself. People's views can evolve over time. Mine have. Um, And God is not going to ask you when you get to heaven what your views on tax brackets are. But we have to do our best to view the world, to view political, social, cultural issues through the lens of God's word. And when we look at the things that the far left represents, and when I say far left, that is the movement of the left that is making itself mainstream and it's actually uh, manifesting itself in the Democratic candidates uh, for president and other Democratic politicians, there is just no way to adhere to these things and also adhere to the Bible which Christians, of course, are called to do. Now, even that statement alone has become controversial, which is crazy. Uh, These are three of the issues that the far left and many in the Democratic Party stand for that are simply, utterly, and completely opposed to any biblical interpretation worth its salt. A taxpayer-funded abortion on demand through nine months and possibly after birth. If you heard the governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, I can't believe he's still in office, by the way, you heard him say on a radio program that if a baby survived an abortion uh, and was actually born alive, that you would set the baby off to the side, make him or her comfortable, and then the parents and the doctor would decide what to do with the baby. I mean, we're talking about a baby outside of the womb, umbilical cord is cut, and you're still going to call that bodily autonomy? Not really sure about that one. Uh, Socialism, which includes the confiscation of wealth from one group to redistribute it to another group. The militancy of the LGBTQ agenda, along with the redefinition of gender, is something that one simply identifies as rather than something that is assigned according to sex. There are lots of other unworkable things that the far left stands for, like open borders, racial reparations, extreme climate change policies that would obliterate many of our industries. But it is not simply the left's current stances on these issues. And I'm not not even all that I included there are necessarily always paradoxical to Christianity. I'm just talking in general. It's not just the issues that they stand for that make them paradoxical to biblical Christianity. It is the nature of of the current left that makes it opposed to biblical Christianity. Um, It is that in order to be a leftist today, and notice that I say today and modern, things like that, because it hasn't necessarily always been this way. Now, I've always been a conservative, but the left hasn't always, even in my lifetime, been this militant and this far left as it currently is and this contradictory to biblical Christianity. Uh, But in order to be a leftist today, you are not permitted by their thought police to waver on any 
of these issues, even and especially if the Bible says otherwise, you will be kicked out. You will be shamed. You will be called a bigot or a white supremacist. Doesn't matter if you're white or black. You will be called a white supremacist. You'll be called a racist or a homophobe or whatever. You must, according to today's left, fiercely support abortion on demand. You must staunchly believe that gender is a social construct. You have to believe in what I like to call the gospel of grievance. That's a title of another episode uh, that anyone who is poor or non-white or non-Christian has been oppressed and therefore deserves an upper hand and are entitled to be given more resources uh, by the government because of their oppression. This falls under what is called intersectionality, the collectivist idea that every person on earth is categorized by the various groups to which they belong and are ascribed certain oppression points based on their group membership. The more oppression points you have, according to them, the more credibility you should be given, the more privileges you should be given in order to be accepted by today's left. You not only have to believe that, but you have to decry toxic masculinity. You have to believe that a man can be a biological, a biological female. A biological man can be a biological female as long as he declares that he is. You have to uh, not just accept LGBTQ, but you have to celebrate it and you have to shame others uh, others into celebrating it. And if that doesn't work, you have to legally force them to. Like the example in the masterpiece uh, Cake Shop, the Colorado man who has basically had his life and business ruined by people uh, suing him for not selling a wedding cake to a gay couple because his uh, religion stands opposed to homosexual marriage. Uh, you have to propagate white guilt. You have to view America as inherently bad and inherently racist. You have to resent the wealthy and believe that if anyone has money, it's because they have stepped on someone else to get it. Unless, of course, you are Beyonce or Bernie Sanders or Barack Obama, then it's fine. Uh, you must not just believe in climate change, but you have to support the government completely in overhauling our economy to, quote, fight it. You have to essentially believe in open borders, decriminalizing illegal entry, and uh, and believe in amnesty for all current illegal immigrants in order to be on today's left. Uh, this is what is taking over the Democratic Party. This is what is taking over anyone left of center. Uh, it is becoming more mainstream. Watch any of the Democratic debates and tell me that one of these things isn't true or is an exaggeration. And if you don't buy into one of these things, you are, as the kids say today, canceled. Uh, this means... This also means, coming from a biblical perspective, that if you believe in Genesis 127 that God created human beings, male and female, then you're out. Uh, this means that if you believe that marriage is between a male and a female, as the Bible shows us, and that is rooted in creation, reiterated in the New Testament, represented in Christ in the church, and thus reflective of the gospel, you are out. Uh, if you believe that the sixth commandment, thou shall not murder, also applies to preborn children, who, as uh, Psalm 139 says, are intricately knitted together in their mother's womb, then you are out. Even if you believe that, okay, abortion should just be restricted after 24 weeks when a baby is viable, can live outside of the womb, you are out. Uh, if you believe that abortion should only be restricted in the moments before the child exits the womb and is about to cry and instinctively reach for her mother, you are out. You are not even allowed to shudder at the thought of a living moving, feeling baby being injected with a poison, starved of amniotic fluid and dismembered. You are not allowed to shudder at that. You are not allowed to cringe at that. You are expected to celebrate this and call it reproductive freedom and choice. 
If you believe, as the creation account shows us, as the book of Proverbs shows us, as uh, 2 Thessalonians 3 shows us, that work is inherently good, that human beings were made to be productive, even make a profit and labor for what they have, then you are out. And if you are not out yet for that, you will be soon. If you believe socialism, which along with communism uh, has accounted for the murderous uh, deaths of 100 million people over the past century, which has decimated countries like Venezuela and violates two of God's Ten Commandments, thou shall not steal and thou shall not covet, and far expands, far goes beyond God's design for the civil government as outlined in Romans 13, if you believe that that socialism uh, maybe isn't the best system for the country, then you are out. If you believe that caring for the poor as Jesus instructs us to do is primarily the responsibility of the church and of individuals rather than bureaucrats, you are out of today's left. If you question, if you question climate science for even a second, you are out. That is a problem for the Christian who claims to be a leftist because uh, the current quote unquote science behind climate change today says that the world is going to end in 12 years, maybe max 50 years, they say. And the Christian knows that that's not how the world is going to end. A revelation tells us how the world as we know it will end, and it's not going to be because of global warming. Uh, but if you care for the environment, want to steward the earth well, as we are instructed to do in Genesis, but you simply wonder, Simply wonder if the private sector may be better at taking care of the environment than the government is. You are still out. If you do not operate from a place of resentment and grievance towards those who are considered more privileged, even though Ephesians 4.31 tells us that we must put away all bitterness and wrath and anger along with all malice, then you are out. Uh, if you don't engage and boycott and cancel culture based on a politically incorrect statement someone made 12 years ago on Twitter when they were 12 years old, even though Ephesians 4.32 tells us to be tenderhearted, kind, and forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us, then you, of course, are canceled and out. And if you say out loud, as a Democrat, as a leftist, that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him, then you are accused of using the Bible to justify your bigotry and you will be kicked out. And if you simply feel, if you simply feel that other people should be free to believe these things without interference from the government and without public shaming, you are also out because that would mean that you don't support the Equality Act, which is the piece of legislation that Democrats are championing right now. And if you don't believe me, like I said, watch any of the Democratic debates, follow some of the most prominent leftist activists on social media, read the New York Times or the Washington Post. I am not lying. I am not exaggerating. This is not hyperbole one bit. Today's leftism demands ideological purity. Again, it's not necessarily all of the issues that the left stands for. It is the nature of them and a lot of the issues. Um, it has its own gospel, which is that of grievance. It has its own God, which is the government. And this gospel of grievance and this God of leftism requires you to do the same thing that Jesus asks his followers to do, but to go in a different direction. Uh, it asks us to surrender completely to its will. And this is why I say and have said so many times, this is why you cannot do both. You are required by today's left to love their agenda with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what is God's first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. You cannot love today's left and their agenda with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength 
at the same time that you love the God of the Bible and his law. They are too contradictory and they are too similar in nature. Now, I am not saying for those of you who maybe, maybe your conservative friend shared this podcast episode with you, thinking that it may convince you and you are very upset right now because you are saying, how dare you say something like that? How dare you condescend me? I can believe in the Bible and be a far leftist. You are just crazy. And what about all of this stuff that we see from the right that doesn't align with the Bible? Okay, well, I will humor you. I am not saying that Christians cannot disagree on guns or immigration policy or some aspects of welfare or war. Christians can disagree on these things in good faith without jeopardizing, for lack of a better term, our salvation. Uh, But Christians cannot adhere to all that the modern left requires its followers to adhere to and follow Jesus. And I won't backtrack on that. Uh, They are going two totally different directions. Now, your counter still may be, uh, well, couldn't you say the same thing for the rights? Isn't that true no matter what political ideology you have? And to that, I would say yes and no. Any ideology can become an idol. Any ideology that is not that of taking up your cross and following Jesus Christ can become an idol. You can make any politician left or right your God, whether you, uh, whether you are conservative or liberal. You can ignore or justify, for example, Donald Trump's flaws because he's on your team, which is wrong. You can become a hypocrite, no matter what side you are on, uh, where you excuse bad behavior from Republican politicians, but call out the same behavior from other politicians from the other side of the aisle. Uh, you can lie. You can cheat, you can steal, no matter what letter you have by your name. You can be a part of the so-called alt-right and truly be a white nationalist, which of course is evil. But the nature of conservatism, now I'm not talking about the alt-right, which is actually self-admittedly, they are admittedly not conservative. They are actually just as interested in identity politics as the left is, but just white identity politics. So I'm not talking about them, which actually represent a very small part of the right, if you even want to call them the right, and are daily denounced by mainstream conservatism uh, or mainstream conservatives. Uh, Conservatism. True conservatism is not like the nature of leftism. Leftism is authoritarian in nature. Uh, It believes in the concentration of power. This kind of leftism has not always been popular in the Democratic Party, at least not as much as it is uh, today, but now it is. And now it is extremely mainstream. Conservatism believes in the decentralization of power and just isn't quite as concerned as the left is, at least today's left, with ideological purity. Uh, Yes, we do have certain things that we hold dear, like being pro-life, pro-capitalism, pro-patriotism, but we are more willing to make room for a variety of views, especially on social issues, believe it or not. I mean, conservatives in general, not just Christian conservatives, um, than the left is. And while the left believes that conservatism should be silenced and should be deplatformed, even in some cases criminalized, yes, there are people on the left who believe that free speech um, doesn't include what they consider hate speech and therefore people shouldn't be able to say things from the pulpit that they believe. Uh, Conservatism, on the other hand, wants the left to be completely free 
to express their views, even if we disagree, even if we find their rhetoric dangerous. If you honestly think that I don't think that Planned Parenthood has dangerous and deadly rhetoric, you're crazy. I mean, they justify, the left justifies hampering the rights free speech because they say, oh, well, we say things that are dangerous and bigoted and the left doesn't. That's not true. Trust me, I am just as passionate about the danger of the left's rhetoric as they are about my rhetoric. And yet I want them to be free to say what they want to say, no matter how dangerous it is. I want us to be able to have a dialogue, a debate, a discussion. But much of, not all of, but much of today's left, I believe that such dialogue and debate with someone like me or someone they disagree with is wrong and immoral and is counterproductive. That's why you see people like Antifa, which are absolute thugs. They are part of um, they are part of the far left and yet are not completely condemned by the Democratic Party. Unfortunately, they want nothing to do with discussion or dialogue uh, because they think that if they just bully and intimidate people into silence, then conservatism, I guess, will just go away. And okay, you might say if you're someone on the left, well, what about kids in cages taking health care away from poor people? What about the immorality of Donald Trump? How can you stand for these things and call yourself a Christian? But these are not accurate descriptions of the conservative position that uh, we want kids in cages and we want to take health care away from poor people. And no one wants children to be mistreated. Every conservative Christian that I know, every Christian that I know, uh, believes in treating these people as compassionately and as humanely as possible. But that does not mean that these families who cross illegally should not be detained. Uh, this does not mean that everyone who applies for asylum qualifies for asylum. There are many Christians who believe that families should not be separated, that parents shouldn't be separated from their children. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have borders. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't have laws, that our nation shouldn't have sovereignty, that we can't protect our own citizens. That is not automatically compassionate. I did an entire episode on immigration talking about the complexity of our immigration system this summer. You should go back and listen to that. Um, additionally, no one believes in taking away health care from people. We believe that the government does a really bad job at running things and would probably do would definitely do, guarantee, do a bad job managing everyone's health care, as we see in the VA. Uh, we know that Medicare for all would decimate hospitals and our health care system overall, making the quality of everyone's care worse. I did also an entire episode on this titled Healthcare this summer. I also talk about the conservative solutions for our healthcare system. So you should go listen to that. I did an episode on the immorality of Donald Trump when I first started this podcast. I don't think that that should be glossed over or ignored or justified. We shouldn't pretend like he's Christ-like in everything, uh, everything he does. We shouldn't look to him as our savior, obviously, but we can acknowledge his flaws while still uh, agreeing with and even praising the policies he represents that we like, that we think are good for the country. Uh, Christians may have positions that at times cross party lines. I want to make that clear. I'm not saying that you have to agree with me on everything. Of course, uh, I'm not the arbiter of this. You don't have to be a conservative 100% of the time in order to be a biblical Christian. I don't believe that at all. I think it's okay for us to disagree on certain things. But my point is that it is increasingly difficult to align with the Bible and with the modern left. One is going to eventually give way. There is a reason 
why that friend you know from high school that you shared uh, you shared your faith in common, why when she went to college off in Portland or San Francisco or wherever it was, she became a liberal and she also abandoned her faith. There's a reason for that. There's also a reason uh, why that friend that you know who used to be a feminist became a Christian and then she also became more conservative in her politics. That's not saying that that always happens that way or that they always go hand in hand, but it's funny that they very often do. Um, In my opinion, if someone claims to be a leftist Christian, they either don't understand politics or they don't understand theology. They are typically, typically confused in one of those arenas. Uh, We are told that in order to be compassionate, in order to be loving, especially we women, especially we suburban moms, we are told in order to be kind to children, in order to care about the next generation, in order to be loving and inclusive and tolerant, that we have to be on the left. Uh, did you see the protesters, and I think it was Toronto, uh, Toronto uh, protesting outside of the new Chick-fil-A there? Did you see that? And that is not just one small faction of today's left. That is, like I've said so many times, becoming more and more mainstream. And you want to tell me that that side has a monopoly on love? I don't think so. Now, that's not to say that conservatives do either. Uh, But if you believe that liberals are exclusively kind, you have been lied to. Many, many of the policies, if not the majority of the policies of the current Democratic Party have a guise of compassion, but in actuality are about power and moral relativism. Two things all Christians should fear. Now, if you want to hear why I am a conservative from a biblical perspective, not just why I'm not a liberal, you should listen to episode 130 titled Christians in Politics, where I go into this more in depth. So I've seen so many examples like that of Pete Buttigieg that I played at the beginning of this episode, and I just felt the need to to dive into this yet again and to clarify this, I will probably touch on this many, many times before the before the election actually comes around. I can't believe that's only in a little over a year. Uh, let me know if you have disagreements with this. I know it can kind of be uh, a tense topic to talk about the intersection of religion and politics. No one really wants to discuss that, but that's what we do on Relatable. So I hope that this at least was food for a thought. You can email me, AllieConservativeMillennialBlog.com. You can also message me on Instagram, For some reason, I'm not seeing all of your messages. Instagram has been weird. I don't think it's just me, but I can't see all of the message requests. And so I'm not totally, not totally sure what's happening there, but you can email me, you can message me however you want to get in touch with me. And I will try to respond to you as soon as possible. Thank you as always for listening. I will be back here on Friday. I'll give you an update on social media if I'm able to track down someone to interview about SB 276. Until then, have a great day.